With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Folks, do you feel like everything these days is go, go, go? It's nonstop from work to friends to family and a million pressing issues. Sometimes you just need to take a playoff and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. Hey, it's that time of year in Minnesota again to get out on the lake, go to the cabin, sit back, watch some baseball. Coors Light is the perfect refreshment to chill during these summer months. There's only one beer out there that's made to chill. The mountains on the bottles and cans turn blue when your beer is cold, and that way you know it's time to chill. Hit that reset button with some mountain cold refreshment. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light is the one you should choose when you need to unwind. When you want to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goals. From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapino's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair. Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall. The teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars. And that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal. Soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire. Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here, and joining me today on the show from The Athletic, I am forcing him to put the basketball down and pick up the much more oddly shaped football, John Krasinski. What's up, John? Collar, great to be here. Still wondering why they make the football that shape. Like, we can't bounce it very easily when it's like that. Why don't they make it round like a basketball, like God intended? It's a great question. I think it's easier to heave a long way. I guess. Yeah. I mean, unless you're LeBron, LeBron can do those full court passes. Kevin Love. Kevin Love. uh, Yeah. Maybe the best Minnesota arm over the last 15 years or so in the state, but uh, no, unfortunately it does have that shape, but that leads to a lot of hilarious fumbles and fat men returning footballs for touchdowns. Yeah. So it's great. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't change a thing. Uh, but I've got a lot to talk with you about on the show today, and I want to start with what I'm going to call Imagination Land, because you have little kids, so I feel like you can play along with Imagination Land. 
And it pertains to Mike Zimmer and his contract situation. <laughs> so I want you to enter this imagination land where instead of the Vikings beating the New Orleans Saints last year at the Superdome in the loudest environment I have ever heard in my life covering a football game, I want you to imagine that the Vikings lost that game by, let's just say, 28 points for a moment. Mm -hmm. Do you think in imagination land that Mike Zimmer is still the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a good chance that he isn't. Right. I mean, that's obviously what you're getting at. And, and I think that the only conclusions right now that we can draw from him not yet having the contract extension that he wants is there's one to me, there's one of two options. One is, hey, it's a pandemic. We don't know about the revenues going forward. Uh, there's just so much up in the air. Like, do you pay a coach? five or six million dollars a year or whatever uh, when you're going to be taking, you know, maybe 10,000 people into the stands or something like that. I mean, do you have to account for that in some other way? And are they trying to get their, their, their arms wrapped around that situation before they were to commit long-term from a money aspect type of a thing? That's one option or two is that, yeah, that they, they are still kind of in the mode of, do we want to marry Mike Zimmer or do we just want to date him kind of a thing? And, um, you know, the, to me, Zim has a great case for an extension. I think he's had a lot of success. He's developed talent here. He's done, a, you know, in, in by and large, a very good job. The one of the things to like lead back on a long way around to your opening what if is that on the very biggest of stages, in the very biggest of moments, the Vikings haven't just gotten beaten, they've gotten routed. And and it looks like, okay, the step up in weight class is not what they are ready for. And so had they had another one like that, a a, a thirty-five to seven wipeout type of a thing, maybe that does sort of uh, contribute a little bit more to the negative side of Mike Zimmer's tenure here and the narrative on that side of things and makes it easier for the Wills to say, you know what, um, we need to get someone else to bring us it over the hump so far. So, um, but, you know, on the other side of it, I think Zim has made this – franchise exceedingly competent, which is not something to to shake your head at and, and to totally dismiss, and they have won some playoff games. And and so it's not like he's terrible um, or, or anything like that. But, uh, but yeah, I, I think that had they gotten just crushed, again, that, that would have been a hard to recover from. But because they may, had a very, very good victory and an unexpected one in an insane environment, you say, well, maybe he's making the right progress, and, 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 and you go forward from it. It is fascinating to me how if you look at just Zimmer's win-loss record, even over the last two years, it's hard to say, oh, well, how terrible is this? You, you, know, you had winning records each of the last two seasons, 8-7-1 and, and then 10-6. and six. 
but the bar was not set at winning records. It was not set at six seeds when you have one of the easiest schedules in the NFL. It was set at returning to the NFC Championship game. It was set by an upgrade at quarterback. And over the last two years, there's been a lot of tense environments. There's been a lot of bad losses. There's been a lot of national television games that they have come up short. And in San Francisco, a playoff game where at the end of the game, everyone in the stadium has left because the game is already over in San Francisco. And that is not what you signed up for over these last two years. So I could see where the Wills would set a certain standard. I also think that if you are judging by a game, a single playoff game, you should have had the decision made before that game and not said, well, you know, he put Daniil Hunter over the guard in this game. He must be great. Like if you're going to move on, then move on instead of let someone twist in the wind. Now back to imagination land. So let's say in this imagination scenario, they lost that game. Two questions for you. What is the fan reaction if he is let go after that game? And is Kevin Stefanski right now the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings? Um, I, I do think that Kevin Stefanski probably would be the head coach. Uh, we, what we know of the Wilfs is that they crave continuity and stability. And they want to be the Maras. They want to be the, the Roonies. Uh, they, that's what they model their their ownership style after as opposed to, you know, some of the more shoot-from-the-hip uh, type of ownership groups that we see out there. And so uh, I, it would, would make sense that if they had decided to make a move that, hey, we're not that far off is probably what they would say. I mean, they're not firing. They wouldn't be firing a guy who was three and 13 and just, you know, they had no chance. So they need to bring in something totally different and new. You have Kevin Stefanski who younger, maybe forward thinking uh, type of a, a, a different, a different approach, but also has been under this umbrella for so long that I think that there is an advantage to that. So my my guess is is that yes again if they had made that move I think Stefanski's the leader in the clubhouse and probably gets gets elevated uh, to do it. Um, first part of your question was fan reaction. What fan reaction? Uh, I I think that yeah again if we put it back in the perspective of they got wiped out uh, and, and just completely crushed, I think that most fans would probably be like. Gosh, I hate getting my teeth kicked in at this at at this stage of of the career of, of the season. And every fan is always enamored. Not every, but most fans are always enamored with the shiny new toy. And you don't know what it is. Whether you know, maybe Kevin Stefanski is going to be Bill Belichick in New England, you know, or maybe he's going to be Bill Belichick in Cleveland when he with the Browns and not ready for it. So, but but we're always they we always love. Different coaches who come in, fresh perspective, they can say all the right things, and we can say we can pin all of the the blame on what uh what on the shortcomings on the last coach and well he didn't know how to do this or he didn't know how to do that. And then the other thing is they love draft picks before they happen. Ooh, we got uh we got three draft picks in the top forty six. Great. That's awesome. Well, yeah, that might be great if you draft really well, but it also might mean nothing if you swing and miss. But everyone wants to think about the future and wants to put their GM hat on and say, you know, this is great. We have assets. We're, we have change. We're going to be moving forward. So I think in general, it would be 
well, thanks, Zim. You know, we had some fun, but, yeah, this thing isn't working out. And and we got to move on. Now, but now he he did win the game. And so I do think that, that he has earned some allegiance from fans who like his no-nonsense style. They like um, – the way that he speaks his mind and they like the good defenses that he puts out there. That, that feels like what the Vikings roots are all about is Alan Page and Carl Eller and now Daniel Hunter and Eric Hendricks. And, and that's great. That's that, that, that takes us back. So I think he has a, a strong following. It's fickle. The mob is fickle as we learned in gladiator, uh, that documentary. So, um, so yeah, it can change at a at a moment's notice. But uh, yeah, after a wipeout, I think most people would have said thanks, him, But we'll we'll take our chances with with someone else. Now they're like, hey, this guy this guy can coach, and I, I don't mind him being around here. Before we get back to the conversation, want to remind you to go to sodastick.com to get your original Minnesota sports inspired goods. Baseball is back, and SodaStick just launched its latest partnership with Hormel Foods and the Tommy Watkins Foundation to pay homage to the Hormel Row of Fame. It debuted in the Metrodome in 1992, and though it's been long retired, you have an opportunity to check out the latest t-shirt called the Wiener Winner. Great for lunch, great for dinner, you remember how the song goes. For every t-shirt sold, Hormel Foods will donate $10, up to $10,000, to Tommy Watkins Foundation's backpack program supporting Twin Cities youth. We're going to hook you up also with free shipping for your Wiener Winner shirt. Use promo code PURPLEINSIDER for free shipping. That's sodastick.com, S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com, original Minnesota sports-inspired goods, code PURPLEINSIDER for free shipping. So for a piece on my website, purpleinsider.com, I was going through some past situations with coaches who were similar to Zimmer in the fact that they won a lot but didn't necessarily get their teams over the hump. Um, Somebody like Bill Cower or Andy Reid for a very long time. I think people would be surprised that Zimmer's win percentage as a head coach isn't that far off of Andy Reid, and it's ahead of Doug Peterson. So, you know, when you look at other coaches around the league, he's right in that ballpark for regular season winning percentage. But, I mean, Andy Reid in Kansas City does not get his team over the hump. Uh, Starting in 2013 to 2018, he has two playoff wins, and that's it, in seven playoff appearances. So every year they're getting there, they're being competitive, they're over 500, sound familiar like Mike Zimmer, but not being able to go over to the hump. Now, of course, he has Patrick Mahomes, the best quarterback in the NFL, huge difference maker from Kirk Cousins, who is a good quarterback. But Zimmer is almost a product of his own expectations set by getting there with Case Keenum to the NFC Championship as if, well, you should just be able to take uh, any quarterback who's pretty good and, and get him there. So there have been these other coaches, and, and Cowher was like this with Neil O'Donnell and Cordell Stewart, and then he gets Ben Roethlisberger, and suddenly he's a much better head coach. Um, but I, I wonder about, like, the other part of that, too, is that, you know, you can have coaches that are there for a long time, and eventually you've just had them for too long. And it's mm-hmm. time to move on. I think of Marvin Lewis in Cincinnati, where he built them up once with Carson Palmer, rebuilt them again with Andy Dalton. They were competitive, playoffs five straight years. But then they hit that wall. The roster started to deteriorate, and Marvin Lewis couldn't coach them up to being competitive anymore. They busted out on a couple of drafts, as the Vikings have in 2016 and largely 2017. And that's where I wonder, John, like, how do we – 
how do we project how this is going to go? Because the roster is really relevant here. These are not all of Zimmer's guys from 2015 through 2019. This would be, if they sign him to a long-term deal, signing on to him for a completely kind of new era of Zip. Yeah, it is. And, you know, you know, when you look at, again, like Andy Reid, I mean, he won in Philly with Donovan McNabb at his height, right? And, and I, I, you know, what you can say for Zimmer is that he has put together a winning percentage that is comparable without the stellar quarterback play. You know, he has not had that provided to him by the front office. And so, um, but there is also no question that right now, they are in a period of transition with this roster. So it's changing over from the old guard that Zimmer had a huge hand in bringing in, especially defensively, to, you know, it, now it is. It's Hunter. It's Kendricks. I mean, Harrison Smith, how much time does he have left as a, as a you know, top flight player? Uh, all the cornerbacks are gone. Um, you know, Linval Joseph, all those guys are gone. Everson Griffin. And and so we are turning things over. I think, you know, eventually here Kyle Rudolph is, is coming up on you know, how much longer is he going to be around and, and and several of the offensive players too. So this just the, the, the roster had aged to a point where it was time to turn it over. And, yeah, so then you do make a decision at that point. Is the coach that we have in place the guy – and the systems that he has installed going to carry us forward and will they stay relevant going into whatever the next phase of this uh, of, of football is of, of the Vikings are. And so my, my sense is in kind of getting back to your point about you, know, you shouldn't base your, your decision on him on one game, whether it's a win or a loss with new Orleans um, you should look more at, if we if we think we're going to have to pivot and adapt in a much different way going forward, maybe it is time to look for a new voice and and bring in a different coach who we think uh, is going to uh, to provide that. But the fact that they have kept him around through this last draft and through some somewhat more of that turnover seems to me to be a vote of confidence that. We don't think that necessarily what has held this team back is the system, is the you know the offense and the defense. And there might be people that agree or disagree with that, but that seems to be the decision internally. The other part that complicates this, as you know, is the Spielman element. Like, we have seen the Wilfs want to sync up their contracts and want to keep those two hand in hand. And so – if you decide to move on from the coach, it, do you let Rick Spielman pick another guy? Or do you think that, hey, this is the time to make the whole clean break and go with a new GM and, and a new coach? That, I think, is, is what you look at. I mean, it seems like the Wilfs have faith in Rick Spielman and, and, and have a good relationship with him. But um, though that's another part that they might be weighing in how they make these decisions, not just it's not just a coach decision. It's a whole leadership uh, uh, tree decision right now. The leadership tree. It the will leadership be tree. between you and I for a long time after you <laughs> saying that. Um, so from, the, from that part of it, I look at now where they are with the roster. And if I look at what 
the front office has done through this offseason. Now, there's some things that I would maybe quibble with. I mean, you pay a nose tackle $27 million over three years. That seems to be kind of making the same mistake twice. Uh, Linval in 2017 is one of the best players in the NFL. But aside from that, you were last year paying $12 million on the salary cap for a nose tackle who was one-dimensional at that point. And if you look at how Bill Belichick has handled this position, Alan Branch, Danny Shelton with his second team, like finding a fat guy who can stuff a couple of gaps is usually something you save money on, not spend extra money on. But, you know, that aside, that's probably something that Zimmer really wanted. So they went out and found the best guy who could do it. And Michael Pierce is a very good player. But aside from that, with some few like, yeah, maybe you could have brought in another receiver. I don't know. You get 15 draft picks and you look like 2021 is when you're going to be really competitive again. Uh, Eric Eager for Pro Football Focus was on the other day to rile up Vikings fans by saying there's a good chance they go 6-10, and 10, but they probably are closer to 6-10 and 10 than they are to the one seed in the NFC. So, you know, you are looking at a year that's very wonky, very strange with COVID and all the things that are going to have to change. I mean, are, are we judging Zimmer? This is real land, not imagination land anymore. Are, are we judging Zimmer on this season and how he performs? Are we judging the front office on how their rookies look this year? Because that's really hard, too. I mean, it seems like you have to extend it out if you do believe in Zimmer's systems for at least a couple of years to see how these guys develop and what you're really looking at as a team in 2021. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you there, and in, and in terms, especially in terms when you look at getting back to again their confidence in Zimmer. Another indicator that they do have confidence in him is the Michael Pierce signing. Is Anthony Barr last year right? Uh, they are spending money, big money, at positions where right now in the NFL you're not spending a ton of money at and and so and and that seems to be an indicator of hey Zim really wants Anthony Barr hey Zim wants to get this up so if you don't believe in your coach if you think you're going to move on from him why are you giving him that that influence on the roster which again would indicate hey maybe there maybe on day 1 of training camp we're going to have you know a three or four year extension for Mike Zimmer maybe this will all work out. Um, but yes, in terms of, I, I think now in terms of when you evaluate Zimmer, he has a large enough body of work in this organization that it shouldn't be based on one game. It shouldn't be based on one season uh, right now. You know what you have with him. So either you like him and you say, this is our guy and we think continuity is important and we're going to get behind him and 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 go forward or he's not our guy we want something new we want something different now the one thing that just kind of pops into my head is what if they do think that hey this year is going to be we're punting you know like the, the pandemic roster turnover a lot of youth all of this stuff why put that on a new coach like let's let zim Go one more year, and then at the end of the year, when he does go six and ten, then it's going to be easier to say, "Okay, thanks, Mike, for everything." Now we now we go to whatever coach we've targeted, and and bring them in for 2021 when those guys have a year under their belt because they do know, no matter what happens, 
whether they win or lose, they I think you know that this coaching staff is going to coach well in terms of developing talent, in terms of getting these guys to learn football the right way. And we, we have not seen many times where you look at the prospects that are brought in, the draft picks and things, and, and, and they leave and you say, man, they didn't really do right by that guy, you know. They, it, it didn't really work out. Uh, they, they, they messed up. I mean, every, every staff has, has their examples of that. But in general, I think they're pretty reliable from, uh, uh, you know, fundamentals, um, teaching the game, that sort of thing. So you can trust them to go through that um, and, 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 and that they will do right by you. And then, you know, maybe you try to make that, that decision at the end of the year. Now the risk that you run, if you take that approach is let's say, let's say this staff coaches the hell out of them. Let's say things fall together somehow magically and they go 10 and six or, or, or better. And they really exceed the expectations that everyone has for them. Now Mike Zimmer has all the leverage on his side and you're either going to pay through the nose for him a lot more than you probably would now, or he might leave because Zim will do that. Like Zim is petty enough to say, you didn't believe in me. All right. Uh, Team X wants me to go there. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to have it happen. So this is all, a, a, it's not the, the, the Vikings are not without risk if they want to play this thing out over the long haul as well. So that's, that's all got to factor into the calculus that they're doing right now. I agree with you that I could very much see him doing that and saying, well, you guys wouldn't sign me up last year, but now I went 11 and five and all of a sudden you want to be my best friend again. Uh, I don't think so. I'm going to go coach for team whatever instead. And I'm going to get a five-year contract with them and make a bunch of money because if, if he does go 11 and five with this team that everyone kind of views as retooling, then that's going to be even more credit for him. And people will say, look, the guy only had one losing season. It was his first year and it was just under 500. I mean, he kind of sets a very high floor for you because of how good he is defensively. I really wonder though, what the expectation is for ownership because folks like you and I, we try to be realistic. Now I picked the schedule. I came up with 10 and six as an expert. Uh, expectation. I don't think the NFC North is particularly strong. You can beat any of those teams at least once, maybe twice when it comes to Chicago, though in Soldier Field, probably not just ever in Soldier Field, but but it's not a spectacular division. It's probably the second easiest in the NFC. And, you know, their schedule has a lot of question marks. Like how good is Phillip Rivers? Is Ryan Tannehill going to regress? All these types of things that leaves the door open for you potentially winning the division. The Packers did not get better in the offseason. They were kind of lucky last year. So that's where I kind of put the ex- uh, expectation myself is, well, how about you just, you know, be competitive, get that seventh playoff spot. That'll be a victory for where you could go in 2021. But getting a read on where ownership thinks that the expectation is, is a little more tricky because even coming off of 2017, I remember in 2018 camp, we were talking like, I don't think this team's going to be anywhere near as good as last year because a lot has kind of changed and the offensive line isn't as good. And last year, Aaron Rodgers got hurt and all those things. And uh, I, I think 2018 to us after seeing camp was kind of not shocking, but it might've been 
to the people who own the team because of where they were the previous year. And it just feels like 2017 has put them way up with their expectations where every year they think, well, we should be a Super Bowl team. And I wonder how much that's changed for them this year. If they say, well, we got all these good draft picks, we should still be a Super Bowl team. Or if they are more realistic about it. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's interesting because, I mean, for as long as I've known the Wilfs, they have always made it clear that, yes, they want to win a Super Bowl. That's the goal number one, no question. And I do think that you have been able to tell during certain seasons and certain after certain losses, both in the Zimmer era and before, that you can see the steam coming out of Ziggy's ears when he comes out of the locker room. And you, you can tell he's really upset. But their words and their deeds and their actions definitely skew toward the pragmatic. Like, they seem like a fairly patient group and an understanding group. And um, they don't want to be the ones that are rocking the boat and are the, you know, picking up the phone and saying, if you don't win today, you know, you're done. Like, that's just not their style. And so I, I think that, yeah, I think, I, I do think that most years they go into it expecting to contend for the division championship and then get in the playoffs and see what happens. And I think they understand that the NFL is kind of a crapshoot in the playoffs and, and things can happen good or bad for you um, one way or the other, but they're very process oriented and they look at these things and they trust the people that they hire. And so um, that's the way they have been. Now, each year that they, they keep going is another year that they've gone that they haven't achieved their ultimate goal. So how long do they try and keep that approach and how, you know, before they say, look, I've had it. Like, I, I, I don't want to be just good. I want to be great. And, and when, and who do they blame for that not happening? Is it front office? Is it coaches staff? Do they blame themselves and say, Hey, look, we're not doing enough. Um, so I just, I don't see them as having the, you know, maybe just like having the, 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 the meeting before training camp with Spielman and Zimmer and saying, Hey guys, this is it for you this year. Show us or you're out. Like that's, I think that they like to watch how it all plays out and then they make their decision. Hey, if they go six and 10, but they're in every game, they've had a few injuries and this season is all messed up with pandemic anyway, maybe they're like, all right, that's fine. Or if they go 10 and six and then get freaking hammered in round one, maybe they look at that as a different way and say, yeah, this is not what we want. So I think they're going to look at things from a much more holistic level and not kind of be the ones that, that deliver any edicts, but you know, that's the way they've been so far that can change quickly um, for, for, for millionaires and billionaires. Hey, before we get back to the conversation, I want to remind you that sports are coming back and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. There's no better place to start than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Get in on the action for this week's big UFC fight or check out odds on NASCAR, Formula One, and the Premier League. Can't wait for your favorite team to come back. Bet Online has future odds on win totals, division winners, and even league championships. Or check out our daily simulations of Madden NBA 2K to watch and wait. 
wager on. Visit betonline.ag. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Well, you know what I was just thinking is, what is this saying? I forget who it is. Like Mike Tyson, like everybody has something to say until they get Everyone punched. has a plan until they get yes. punched in the face. That's yeah. it. That's in it. In the mouth, yeah. Everyone has a plan until they lose to the Packers at home on national TV. 100%. Right? Isn't that yep. it? I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, they, have a, they have a plan, and we'll see how it goes. And then you go one and four to start the season. Then what's your plan? And last year, it, last year was very much that because we were going along and, oh, we've got this 20-point win against the Broncos. Hooray. And we won on national TV against the Cowboys by mostly running. But that's fine. Kirk Cousins got his win on national TV. This is all great. Everything is great. And then they played the Packers, and everything changed after that. In the following two weeks, there's rumors that Zimmer could get traded to Dallas. There's the uh, statement that they put out saying that we're not going to fire Zimmer and Spielman, which could have really blown up in their face in imagination land if they had lost by 30 points and then they had to make a change. It, It really altered, I think, a lot about how we felt about last season and even how the ownership felt to see them just get whipped by Green Bay and for Green Bay to come into U.S. Bank Stadium and say, no, sorry, you're still the second-class citizens in this division as you've been for uh, the majority of the last, what, 30 years uh, to the Packers. So, you know, it it is funny about how that can happen. Like maybe they do want to sign Zimmer, but they don't want him for five years and that's what he wants or whatever else, but that could all change in an instant. Um, I want to do one more imagination land, John. If – a fat guy named Derek Wolf does not fall on Delvin Cook's shoulder last year in imagination land, which I look at, I know a lot of people say injury prone, and I'm sure that this drives you crazy in basketball too. Somebody steps on somebody's ankle, ah, yeah. that guy's injury prone, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Um, but that one is an ultimate sort of bad luck. You, you fell wrong on your shoulder. In, imagine, in, in imagination land, if he does not have that happen to him last year and finishes – second in the NFL in rushing or yards for scrimmage. Uh, does he have a contract right now with the Vikings? Well, I, I'll say this. I mean, for, for the Delvin Cook situation, more than the Zimmer situation, the Vikings have shown over the years that one thing they love to do is the week or the day before training camp opens, here's a big deal. And they can get this thing together. And then, you know, then a player arrives at training camp after just getting the bag. Everyone's happy for him. It just sets a a breezy tone for the start of camp. And so that's why I think with with Cook, I I, I still think that's going to happen. Like, I I think that if you do some insight on both sides of the – of the um, situation you have, you know, Cook is not asking for Christian McCaffrey money. He knows that he's not going to get there. So there's a little bit of flexibility that way. The Vikings want to keep Cook. And if they hadn't, they should have traded him already. And, and so, um, and we have shown, they have shown time and time again, if they want to keep a player, they find a way to do it. They get creative and they, and they make things happen. And so I think that's where we're headed with this is that week of camp, you know, they have a breakthrough, 
They get back to the table one more time and they finish this off. And then Dalvin drives up in some fancy car and has a big smile. And Mike Zimmer can say this and Spielman can say, yeah, we take care of our guys. And, and everyone looks that way. Um, I do think though, if, if Cook, if that did not happen and if, if Derek Wolf never falls on him and he finishes the year and has the numbers that he did, it could make the deal a little more difficult for the Vikings to pull off. They may have to pay a little bit more for it um, just because of uh, some of the leverage going back toward Dalvin being in an offense that is basically you know, built for him and, and, and how unique that is. They need him. And so, you know, if he had, if he didn't have some of the injuries that he had, whether they're unlucky or not, that's part of his story, and that's what what will allow, I think, the Vikings to save a few bucks in the in the long run. But um, but yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, like we're gonna get to whatever that Wednesday or that Tuesday is before camp opens, and something's gonna happen, and that's gonna break through. I'd be really really surprised if that's not the way this whole thing plays out. Yep, every year that has happened, uh, and it feels like, and and what I've heard from both sides too is they are far apart but they feel like they can get to where they want to be and Derrick Henry signing today to a a deal four years 50 million dollars 25 guaranteed I think helps this situation set a bar if they believe that he's as valuable as Derrick Henry he's better at receiving out of the backfield Henry's probably better at trucking people over and also has stayed healthier if it is a four-year extension for $50 million, 25 guaranteed, I put it out on Twitter where they have all the right answers, John, and uh, 56% of people out of over 1,000 votes said uh, on my Twitter that they would go with that deal if it was for Dalvin Cook for four-year extension for $50 million. So I think that that sets a bar to work with that's a little more reasonable than Christian McCaffrey, and we could see it done over the coming weeks. Where it's going to get really interesting is if camp keeps getting pushed back and we're not sure what the salary cap is going to be going forward next year, and if they do play a little more hardball. I mean, they did play hardball with Kyle Rudolph for a while and then back off. Uh, Anthony Barr for a while signed with, with another team and then decided to come back. And uh, I agreed that they loved Alvin Cook unequivocally as a player. It seemed to love him as a person too in the community and all that. But this is a little bit of a different conversation because it's the running back thing. And they do have another player who's good at the position. So they're in more of a spot to play hardball. I also wonder if Zimmer, now you mentioned the Pierce thing and the, and the Barr thing. Um, so that's Zimmer's influence. How much influence does he have right now at this moment, though, over the roster? Because if it's Zimmer making this call, Delvin Cook is back at that kind of money. But if they're taking the keys away from him a little bit with the roster, then uh, I don't know. Maybe it's a little more tricky. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I guess, you know, that would just to me be weird. If you're going to capitulate to Zimmer on Pierce, but then you're not going to do it on Cook. Like, I mean, you've already you've already done it. and And I think that it's perfectly understandable to want your coach's input and to be like on that same page. Like that all makes sense to me, but we, you're far enough down the road now that why, I guess, why would you take an abrupt left turn with the guy who is literally the most important guy on your offense coming in now? Uh, that, that to me is 
would be a question mark uh, about that. Maybe, maybe they will. Maybe, maybe Dalvin will have a change of heart as they get closer to this and try to dig in himself and say, no, I want X amount of money and I'm not going to be quite as flexible as maybe some people were expecting earlier on in this process. These things can change to affect that one way or the other um, for better or worse. But uh, I, you know, I, I just do, I think that Cook wants to be here. He's, he knows that he would come to an offense that is rare in this day and age that will absolutely hand him the keys and let him do what he thinks he's capable of doing. And yes, the Vikings do have another running back that is really good, but you need two running backs like in this league, especially if one of them is Dalvin Cook, who might get dinged up a little bit. Like you need two. I mean, I don't think you would feel good about letting Dalvin go. And then it's, you know, Madison and Mike Boone, even though we've seen the Niners and a few others have success with journeyman running backs or, or, or less heralded tandems. Uh, I think you need a home run hitter there. And, and, and that's where it gets back to ultimately too, as well as the Wilfs is with their expectations, like they can try and, and want to be smart and want to say, Hey, we, you know, is it smart to really pay this running back, you know, pay this position that we've seen time and time again, where uh, some of these really big deals are not getting uh, the return on their investment that we want. Well, yeah, but then the agent can say, and Dalvin Cook can say, and even Zimmer could probably say, Hey Ziggy, do you want to win? Like, do you really want to win or not? And if we say goodbye to Dalvin Cook, or, or yeah, you wouldn't say goodbye to him, obviously, but you, you, you'd bring that for, for this season, you'd bring all that, that, that mess into it. If we do this, then we're really looking at six and 10. Like then we're looking hard at it. And it's always, you know, kind of getting back to an earlier conversation about being punched that the whole, the plan and being punched in the mouth, ask the Philadelphia 76ers, you know, like when Sam Hinkie put in the plan, the process, Everyone's like, oh, man, this is a cool idea. This is great. Yeah, stockpile draft picks. Yeah, lose. Lose a bunch of games. Who cares? Like, let's get good draft picks and let's let's put ourselves in position to do it. But you go one year into it. You go two years into it. And all of a sudden, man, they, we're losing a lot. This sucks. Like, I don't want to do this. And it's hard to stick with that kind of plan. They It could very well be that Spielman and Zimmer have said to the Wilfs, hey, 2020 is going to be a little rough, guys. Like we're in this transition period, we got to get through it. Let's let's just keep that in mind and let's really come back strong in 2021 and make our move. Every organization goes through a little down uh, cycle here or there, unless you're the Patriots. And just just hang with us, get us through this year, and then we'll really be back in it. And the the Wolves could say, hey, yeah, guys, we understand. Had some old guys has to turn things over, it's going to be okay. But then, yeah, you start one and four, you start two and seven, and it's, they look around and, and, and there's nobody in the stands and they're not making any money. Oh, man, this is not what it's cracked up to be, and we got to move on here. Yep, and uh, you could see, 
even last year when it was only Madison or when Mike Boone was in there. It's just not the same. It's not the same. It's not the same as having Delvin Cook. And if you do want to be competitive and if you are setting the bar high, then it's pretty hard to say, sorry, Zim, go win without your very special player who is one of the most untackleable players along with Derrick Henry in the entire NFL. I think that would be a hard thing for them to do. So I agree with you that it ultimately gets done. So uh, in your opinion, in imagination land or in real land, I guess, I guess you have to imagine this because it hasn't happened yet. Um, are we playing football on time, John? Think, yeah, maybe? I, th- like, I, I think we are, we are going to play football at some point. I don't know when that's going to start and I don't know when that's going to end. So um, I could see them starting on time and then having to shutter things down in October, I could see them looking at the landscape and being like, guys, we got too many guys that are sick. The, the coronavirus cases are exploding. Let's let's push things back to the start of October and see if that helps. Um, I think they're, you know, they, they, they made the schedule to try and build in some flexibility. And I think that they will, they will do that if possible. But you also know that NFL owners – believe that they can change the tide um, on their own just by sheer will. And and so I think that there is, and I don't think that necessarily would the Wolfs are part of this group, but you can, you can name them Jerry Jones and, 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 and several others are just like, no, we play football on Sundays in the fall, no matter what, come hell or high water, come coronavirus or not, this is what we're going to do. And we're not going to bow down to, the virus. And so um, if I had to bet, I would say that they, we do have football week one just because they don't want to feel like they're giving in, but how long you can hold on for that. That's anybody's guess that I don't know. They will try to out football a virus. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it is no amazing question. how these people think. And I, I look forward to next June where we're being welcomed in by Al Michaels to the Amazon Coronavirus Super Bowl. Welcome in. Uh, or, what? No, I, I botched the joke. Coronavirus Vaccine Super Bowl. Vaccine Super That's Bowl. That's what I mean. Yes. If you forget that word, that really messes up the joke. Just edit that out. Uh, John. <laughs> Always great to catch up with you, man. And you know what I'm rooting for is for you to have some basketball soon to cover. Uh, I'm really hoping that even though the Wolves aren't in it, that the bubble works and at least we have a model for some pro sports and you can enjoy your your main sport again soon. Hey, I've been watching that the basketball tournament, Travis Diener hitting million-dollar shots, and that's been fun. So I don't care if LeBron is on the floor or it's Alex Caruso all the time. I just want to see some hoops. So I hope that happens too. Alex Caruso, that is my kind of basketball aesthetic. All right. (laughs) Follow John uh, at The Athletic, as you already know, on Twitter. Um, He's actually the guy who's in the office. That's right. It's that guy, John Krasinski. So uh, I appreciate your time, John. We'll catch up again soon, buddy. Thanks, Collar. Appreciate it.